Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening and welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we have the band Shell. The entertainment business is full of family acts, from the legacy acts like the Jacksons to the married acts like Sonny and Cher and Ike and Tina Turner, from the schmaltzy, the Osmonds, to the semi-fictionalized like the Von Trapp family singers. There is simply something special to the sound of a group of people who share family bloodlines or nuptial vows and musical kinship. The Fort Collins, Colorado band Shell is far from a novelty act, however. Sure, the band consists of a quartet of sisters, Sarah, Hannah, Eva, and Liza Holbrook, but their claim to musical viability is bona fide. All four Holbrook sisters were homeschooled and classically trained in the ways of music, and this exceedingly unique approach to life and art shows in both their songs and their performances. The oldest of the sisters is only 24, but the musical maturity of Shell is more akin to the sum of their ages, which is 86 in case you're keeping score. Their eponymous album is their first full-length release, and it showcases their inventive songs and considerable talent as performers. Welcome to Independence Day, Shell. Thank you. Oh, Thank you for being here. And I've never had nice. four sisters who sound like so alike to like, say something on the show here that sounds like a chorus of, hi, I'm the same person. So let's <laughs> introduce everyone. We're just going to go in, uh, we're not exactly in chronological order here in terms of birth order. We're just going to go from my left to your right. So on my left, we have, welcome, this is Hannah, correct? That's right. And what do you what do you play in this organization? I'm the keyboard player, and I sing backup vocals. Okay, and next we have... I'm Sarah, and I uh, play the I play the violin and backup vocals. And you are Sarah with an H, correct? Always, always with yeah, an H. Yeah, definitely. I dated a Sarah without an H once, well, and it didn't go well. Obviously, it's over because exactly. she didn't long, have an H. <laughs> long since I left. Yeah, but wait, this goes back to the Clinton administration. We're not going to talk oh, about wow. that. <laughs> then next we have. I'm Eva, and I play mandolin and Man- sing lead. Very sing. nice. And last, but of course not least. I'm Liza. I play drums, percussion, and do the beatbox. So this is a family situation here. You guys, of course, all grew up in the same household together, but your father was involved in this whole thing at one point. Is that correct? Like, how did this get started, like, from the genesis? Anyone can answer this. That's right. This is Hannah speaking. And Dad, he started us, actually, because he's a singer-songwriter, and we grew up going to his concerts in Fort Collins, Colorado. And um, uh, I started playing piano when I was 10, and the following year, Eva started playing mandolin, Sarah started violin, and Liza actually started on the harp. But we would all come up on stage and back him up for a song or two here and there. And then over the years, we started writing music together, and it just kind of took off and became the four of us, Shell, um, playing songs together. Yeah. And so it was, it was kind of an organic thing. And what happened to Dad? Well, well he's, he's still around. Yeah, he's still pretty involved with us, like... Um, we just came from New York and Maine and all that, and we were like in uh, Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, and we flew to Chicago. And this is Sarah, by the way, sorry. And we flew to Chicago, and Mom and Dad came and picked us up there to spend some time with us, you know. So he pl- he actually played bass with us on a few of the shows. So it was awesome. So we were in Chicago, St. Louis, and Nashville together, and then you know they went home to go live their lives. But yes, they come they come in every now and then. It's really awesome. So. And so now, does he still perform on his own as well, or is he busy managing what you guys do? Or like, well, what's his musical thing now that he's been kind of, I don't want to say pushed out, but he's kind of doing his own thing? Is he still performing? 
Yeah. You know, this is Eva actually. He's um he's retired at this point except we live on a farm, so there's a lot that he has to deal with daily, you know, taking care of things there and um he's taking a great interest in trains as well. So he's building models and things like that. So I have a friend actually. Sort of he's retired. coming out. Uh, I had him on the show's name is Joe Jenks. He's a folk singer, full-time touring folk singer and his that's one of his hobbies because he's on the road like 300 plus dates a year. So wow. when he comes home, he loves these trains. Like every last time he was here in LA in January, we went train shopping. Oh, trains are awesome. so much fun. <laughs> it's a, it's an amazing world, you know, yeah. once you get into it and the models that they build and mm-hmm. uh, all the different scales and how accurate everything is. It's just wonderful. Yeah. It's and I, I learned a lot art. from Joe when he was out here. His name is Joe as well. And like how <laughs> how like you know there's he'll I remember going to some shop on the west side of LA and like okay here's this box car and he held up another box car and one was thirty dollars and one was like eighty dollars and he was trying mm-hmm. to explain to me like what the difference was they looked uh-huh. the same to me but that's because I don't you know I, I, what do I know from trains right yeah. anyway so uh, so, the, the, so the band thing starts organic kind of organically like with your father and at what point did you completely step away from him? Like, how long ago was that, that you stepped, started doing your gigs as yourselves, as a band? You know, this is Sarah again. It's been kind of in transition just this year, actually, because he would, he would tour with us pretty full time. And they still they still travel with us quite a bit. But it's just gotten to the point where um, it's just, it just happened. It did happen organically. It just was, you know, I think the right thing for everybody. And I think it's he's much happier. He he's more of a homebody. So yeah. you know, he's much happier at the at the house. Did he do touring on his own? Not really. You know, no. um he always played locally and it was a blast. It was a big it was very inspiring for us, you know, because when we were little, that was the incentive to become better musicians was if we if we were good enough, we could get up and back him up on a song. And then over time, I think the actual transition started in about 2010, where at that point we were all writing our own music and we'd learned how to sing. And um, we uh, it started to become more about the four girls and the harmonies and, and less about us backing him up. And then he has been playing with us the last like four years and we love that. But we're starting to really see the fun and the energy of, you know, just doing things acoustic, four girls on a stage. and yeah. The, si- the sister bond, I guess you'd call yeah. it. Yeah. It really yeah. is a different feel. It's it's amazing. So. Yeah. And how amazing is it to have parents that, I mean, they're not only supportive, mm. you know, that seems like they were woven into the DNA of this band from mm-hmm. beyond the ground floor. Well, they know. wove the DNA of this That's band. exactly what I mean. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking no, about. I mean, so many musicians, you know, like one of the questions I ask a lot in bands is like, well, were your parents supportive of this? Because a lot of musicians get into this and especially if their parents were musicians. What's that famous quote? Uh, who was it? I think it was Alan Alda's father. Maybe he tells his son, the actor, Alan Alda from MASH. He's, uh, he, his parents told him, if there's anything else you can possibly think of to do other than show business, you should do that. Oh, wow. Anything at all. And he's a very successful actor. Yeah. You know, because I'm, But it's, that's the thing. Like Everyone sees them people on TV or on the stage, and it's glamorous, but it's not always quite that pretty you know and it's a beautiful thing we do it because we love it and it brings great rewards to your life i think uh, it really mm-hmm. does yeah it's great and yeah that, we lucked out to have the parents that we have you know mm-hmm. i feel like uh i feel like we don't deserve them because they've been supportive all the way along and and More i appreciate that and yeah it's they've been they've been a dream it's not a common thing yeah yeah 
Well, very nice. And it's obviously worked out for you. For you, I keep saying you guys. It's maybe it's just a Midwest thing. But if it's all worked out for you ladies, um, let's play a song. <laughs> let's play a song from your debut record, which just came out very, very recently. It came out on the 7th of August. It's mm-hmm. a self-titled record, Shell. Let's talk just for just a second before I play this about the name of the band. It's like the simplest question in the world. But for you guys, it seems it's so obvious. It's an acronym, is it not? It is, yeah. And it's just your first name, the first initials of all your first names? You, you're sharp. You got yeah, I know. Sharp like a tack. You'd think I'd do this for money or something. <laughs> <laughs> and so why why that? I, When we were younger, we, we actually had a, a full band meeting about what we should call it. And I don't know. It we was were, intense, these we full were, band meetings. We at it's a grievous process. Yeah. yeah. You, find you a band were 10, name. so I was like, what, seven? Yeah. Oh that's gosh. Liza speaking. That's, that's, yeah. that's scary to think, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just we had a band meeting because we really wanted to decide, you know, what to call it. And I think I think it was Sarah who came up with the idea for an acronym because yeah. she thought it was the coolest thing ever. I wanted to call it Hessel because that would be in order the ages, but no one else liked it. So one yeah. of those things. And you went with Shell, and that's because that's that process has changed a lot too. I mean, it used to be before the internet when you had bands, you weren't like now you can think it like you can be at the ice cream parlor having a band meeting about what the band name is going to be and then everyone on their phone can look it up instantaneously to see if there's a band in Iceland named (laughs) Shell or whatever whatever your band name is going to be but before it was a more arduous process there was no internet to like figure out if somebody in Cleveland was using your band name it was really hard so interesting I had never thought of that something that's really the information superhighway has facilitated the naming of bands definitely and and more <laughs> and more, and you're right, and a lot more. It's changed everything. Turn it on its ear. So this is the band Shell. My name is Joe Armstrong. You're listening to Independence Day. We come to you live from beautiful Pasadena every week, bringing you some of the best bands from Los Angeles and far, far beyond. Today we've got Shell. They're from Fort Collins, Colorado. And this is the track Paint My Life from their debut record, their full-length debut record, which just came out a couple weeks ago. Paint My Life on Independence Day. I remember a colorful light It once belonged to me Until I painted my heart in white lights They seemed so harmless at the time
You are listening to Independence Day, and that is the band Shell. They are four beautiful, intelligent, and talented young women. They are from Fort Collins, Colorado, and they've got a brand new record. It's called Shell, name of the band also the same. You can learn about them. What is their website? I've got it here somewhere. Shellmusic.com, S-H-E-L music.com. You must be on the Twitter too, correct? We are the Twitter. Our handle is I Love Shell Music. Shell music was taken, so we had to put something. There's, so you're telling me there's another band named Shell? I don't. I don't know. It's some lady that has it, and I. She doesn't tweet that much. I went. I went to direct message her and be like, "I want your handle," but one of those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we we just had that handle for a while, but yep. The Twitter is I love Shell Music, and the Facebook is I love Shell Music. The Instagram is I love Shell Music, and the website is Shell Music. Do you guys do MySpace too? Not anymore. No. I mean, it's, it's so still inter- there, but... It's interesting how rapidly that kind of became marginalized. Yeah. I, Isn't all it? the ads, it just killed killed yeah. everybody. You know, I mean, I was on MySpace before there was Facebook, and mm-hmm. then I remember like when Facebook hit the, you know, hit the waves... It it was like it was like MySpace for grownups. I know that sounds like a funny way to look at it. It because, really, yeah, it really was. It was because back then, I mean, it was it face uh, Facebook is so much cleaner mm-hmm. in yes. its layout. It's not like you can put like blinking bunnies behind <laughs> your whole page and you can't read stuff. Like people can destroy their MySpace pages and make them ridiculous. Well, what, what was so cool about Facebook too? Because when it came out, um, I was in high school, so I couldn't get on. You know, because right. it was only for college students. So Hannah was on there, and I was like, "Well, that's so cool. I want a Facebook." <laughs> it was then... so funny when I first got mine, and Dad was like, "You have a MySpace. You don't need a Facebook." And then I was thinking <laughs> about it. Uh, I think last year I was like, "Wow, even my grandma's on Facebook now." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. It's really it's permeated society to like to the depth to everything. It goes as deep as it goes. You know, mm-hmm. every, if you want to find it, it's on Facebook. And MySpace yeah. is still around. And, you know, and it's it's become this music niche thing. Mm-hmm. But even bands, like, they're still on there. But I'm finding more and more bands just don't even bother anymore. I wonder, like, it's like BlackBerry and uh, <laughs> yeah. BlackBerry and MySpace, I think, are going to be the ones that go oh, away in the wow. next year. So. Wow. That's, That's interesting. That's good comparison. Te- technology yeah. moves on. Seriously. So, um, your sisters and... This is such a like it, it's so easy to become a novelty thing when it's like a band that's all the same family. Like I referenced before, you've got like the Jacksons and you've got uh, um, the Osmonds and these people. Like, do you ever find yourselves getting pigeonholed as this novelty thing, or is it just you just just don't even pay any in mind and just move forward? You know what? Sorry, do you want to take it? Oh, this is Hannah. I was gonna say that half the time people don't know we're sisters. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. Some people think Sarah and I are twins. We're two years apart. Um, but for the most part, people are like, what? Y'all are related? Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah. it's an interesting thing because it's. I think it's not just that we're sisters, but also that we're girls and we're a band. And there's sort of a preconceived notion about that. But it's it's part of what makes our job so fun is that I think, you know, we can get up on stage and then people have a notion of how it's going to be. And then we can just be what we are. And um, and I think sometimes that catches folks off guard because they're not really expecting that. Like maybe it's a, mm-hmm. it's um it's a fun challenge to have. I think. Yeah. Well, well you could you could certainly get away with not telling people. Yeah. Like, you know, I looking at the four of you. I mean, I can definitely see the family resemblance, but it's not so, you know, close because you're all you all have your different styles. Like you can't. We'll take some pictures. We'll put them on the website. But you know, there's like <laughs> different kinds of hair with the curly hair, and everyone's got their different way of dress. So it's like you're definitely individuals. It mm-hmm. seems to me. Well, thank you. Oh, that's yeah, we we work hard at that. So, <laughs> who uh, who has the best taste in music in the band? Like, are there any Tom Waits fans in the band? Or yeah, well, we can't see you raising your hands. So you got to say oh, who you are. This is Eva. I love his song. Um, you can never hold back spring. Yeah, yeah. So, do you? The rest of you agree? Does she have the best music taste in the band? No. 
course not. <laughs> Everyone has different tastes. Yeah. yeah I think that everybody has good taste in music. Like, Hannah's brought in a lot of, of different styles and, like, a lot of classical. And same with Eva. And Liza's brought in a lot of the more alternative music that we – I think that everybody just brings something something new into it. This is Sarah, by the way. Um, everybody brings something new into, like, our little repertoire that we listen to on the road, you know. So, but we all we all have a few albums that we can always agree on to listen to, like the Beatles or okay. Collective Soul. Oh, that yeah. that album Dosage. We anytime we don't know what to listen to, we put in that album. Yeah, that is funny. It's it's pretty freaking hilarious because we, we like a lot of we like a lot of classic rock as well, like Yes and Supertramp. Which the early Yes or like cause I love the Trevor Rabin Yes, like the nine hundred one two five Big Generator Yes. We uh, the um, Roundabout is the one okay. that I always go to. I love that song and with all and, good people. Yeah. I yeah. all good that, people. Yeah, that song is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I hope this doesn't sound patronizing at all, but I love it when young bands like know the music history of huh. just music in general, mm-hmm. classical pop, class rock, classic rock, whatever. Like to hear young bands coming in and say, oh, I, I like Tales from Topographical Oceans by Yes or whatever. I like, I love that because it's, I think it's so important to, to know your lineage. Mm-hmm. Like know what well, came before because well, we're all standing just, on the shoulders of giants. It's been made yeah. like that today. You know, I, and even as we're producing records, I think I've, so many folks are going back and referencing what was done in that time because it was a golden time. Yeah. You know, and I think a, a, at least a lot of my friends who are who are our age, you know, love that music. Yeah. So there's something really special about that time. Yeah. Yeah. I was at a uh, a friend's house. He was an older guy, so he had a, a daughter who was in high school, and I don't remember. I remember kind of walking past her room, and she was listening to Dark Side of the Moon, <laughs> which I thought was pretty cool. You know, it's a cool album regardless. I mean, it's of course, it's been overplayed, but I still love it. But then I kind of peeked in, and she was playing it on vinyl, Sweet. which I thought was even cooler. You yeah. know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm experiencing a vinyl, like, resurgence in my own world, but, mm-hmm. you know. We were just discussing that today. We uh, That the new album's going to be on vinyl. So oh, it's coming, cool. It's coming out mm-hmm. in a couple weeks. And we I went to, one. we went, I know right. I want one, but we went to a, um, we went to the studio to go and listen to, you know, the vinyl listening, whatever. Yeah. And we're all sitting in the corner of this amazing studio. It's the old RCA studio yeah. in Nashville. And we're just, like, sitting around it, and it was it was just so pristine and just having it like on that record player with those speakers it's like it's nothing i've it's it's nothing i've ever yeah, experienced it before made you want to go out and buy a great record player exactly great yeah. preamp, great exactly speakers. so it's yeah it's very cool but i can see that like after that happened i want like i want that's what i want to listen to now is vinyl yeah so and i know a lot of people are like that and a lot of the younger generation yeah so it's definitely I mean, coming back there's there's so many aspects to it. It's it's retro in its own way, but it's romantic. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. I, I like the process. I'm 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 such an evangelist. I'm gonna get on a soapbox, but I love the process <laughs> of you know. I, I remember going from CDs, which was kind of the main thing for most of my life, down to an iPod. It was so convenient to have your entire collection. I've got hundreds of CDs, six or more, a hundred more CDs on my iPod. It was amazing. Like I've got my whole wow. collection everywhere I am. Look how what a great novelty that was. But I kind of missed. I missed like looking through all the the covers yeah, and looking through all the spines and like seeing the artwork and thinking and choosing something based on how it struck me when I said things. Seeing them all in a little digital readout on a screen is not romantic. Mm-hmm. Seeing them all on a shelf and like going through and saying, oh yeah, that's what I want to play. Yeah. You know, that's wow. a much cool. different experience. Definitely very, very different. Anyway, enough about me. Let's talk more about you guys. Mm-hmm. So what, you know, you, you're, you're all very young. And have you had other jobs other than music, I guess? Um, we've had a few little odd jobs. <laughs> like weird things. Uh, we worked at kind of a, a juicery, I suppose. Um, I remember pressing grapes 
and it would be it would be bottled and then it would be aged later to become wine mm-hmm. and learned how to mud walls and um <laughs> and paint them so i do like little odd jobs around this juicery we'd like clean the bottles at the place too yes. and then um I don't know if you ever the, a part of this haunted, but we three at least were on a vending route for a while. Those little yellow candy machines. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we started that when we were like fourteen, and we go around and fill up the candy, and then um, collect quarters. Collect quarters. It was always like the big collection day. You go and get the quarters. It was awesome. You'd have those money bags filled with quarters. Like they get heavy, don't they? Yeah. There's. <laughs> I don't know that if there's a better feeling than carrying one of those around. And it's like, or when you had to empty it, and you had to use two of those bags. That was like a good day. But yeah. and then after that, like I went to I went to college for graphic design, or I went to college for videography and then graphic design. So I did that for probably full, t- not almost full time for like a year and a half before we we signed with the label. And uh, it's really funny because when we were very young, I'm thinking like uh, eight and nine, we actually worked at a theater, and it was an old. Oh, yeah. um, a very old theater that had been renovated in downtown Loveland called the Rialto. And our dad was, uh, I think he was doing promotion there or something. And And the first time we ever went, Roger McGuinn was playing. Oh, yeah. And um, it was so magical. The the theater was packed and our dad opened for him. And um, we'd... uh, I, it was after that that we started working there, and so we'd go through and we'd like clean things. We'd work the, um, so we'd work the concessions. We'd work the ticket booth. We'd go hang up posters around town for the theaters, and that's one of the most. We'd always get to go backstage mm-hmm. and to the green room and, and meet, meet the folks the that artists. came through, and yeah. they had magic acts and all kinds of things, and then they'd play old movies, and um, that was one of the most magical times in my life anyway mm-hmm. I remember working at that theater and loving it mm-hmm. and we'd just bring our school you know and, and, and do a couple hours during the day and then we'd run around this theater and oh, yeah. up on the catwalk and we were homeschooled I don't know yeah. if we mentioned that earlier yeah so that was easy so when you say that's what I was going to be my next question when you say bring your school <laughs> what does that mean you know to what those of us who are not homeschooled what does that mean because to me to bring my school it's like 600 kids in a giant <laughs> building so <laughs> so we we just had very basic education starting out, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, and then whatever we became passionate about, our parents just provided an opportunity to mm-hmm. pursue that further. And so uh, it was a great experience. Um, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I really did. I loved having time to go out and farm and play music. Yeah. Work at a theater. And Sarah, <laughs> you, you mentioned college before, so you've got some now, and you're the old, well, you're the oldest that's here. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Hana. Yeah, Hana. No, I didn't work here, Hana. I, was, I turned and I looked at you. Um, did you go to school, college, but college? Did you finish? Are you, where are you? So I got to my junior year as a piano performance major, and then I actually injured my wrist practicing too much. It was really dumb, but I switched from jazz to classical, and I just didn't, I couldn't keep up with everything. Yeah. And so I was kind of at a turning point. I took some time off, and I was like, am I going to go back and try to figure this out? And right around that time, we started working with Brent Mayer out of Nashville. He co-produced our album. And um, and shortly after that, we had an offer to sign with Universal Republic. And so I just put that on hold for a little bit. It was kind of like one door closing and another one opening and haven't really looked back since. We, we were really glad to, to have her, you know. Yeah. So it's awesome. Worked out. It worked out well, I think. It's been a blast. <laughs> and that's that's the other thing, because your parents were so involved in your musical career this whole time 
So I imagine you probably didn't get a lot of flack for choosing to do music as a full-time thing. Oh, heck no. <laughs> it was they like, did, it, they, yeah. They ahead. discouraged <laughs> us from getting real jobs in kind of high school age. and you even said they discouraged They discouraged, discouraged it. Yeah. I, I, th- I remember in college being like, well, maybe I should get a part-time job. And dad was like, no. You're doing the band part-time. You're doing college part-time. Just just keep playing music. Well, and I mean, it was like, it was just a conversation. It was, there was no, like, you can't do this or that. But it was like, well, yeah. you know, if you really want this, if you really want to be successful, it, you have to treat it like a full-time job. And yeah. so now the, the way that that looks, because the business has changed so much and because, you know, we don't, we're not working with a label. We we work full-time now, right. you know, um, doing videos, doing graphic design, doing social media, just the, you know, the entire task of creating content. And then we even do some of our own production as well yeah. at our studio. So when we're, you know, when we're not playing music, we're doing something that has to do with moving our career forward. And yeah, yeah. I love that. You let's, know, it's an exciting let's, lifestyle. Let's have you play a song live in the studio here. You've got some instruments here and they're kind of yeah, I noticed there's no guitar on this record. We'll talk about that when we come back. But I also want to talk about division of labor. But first, I want you to play some more, some play some music for us. Beautiful. So, and this is the song. I believe this is Freckles. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. The first song you're going to play for us. Okay. So let's hear this. Daisy. 
This is the band Shell. My name is Joe Armstrong, and that was the song Freckles that's on their debut album. It's eponymous, also the name uh, named Shell, S-H-E-L, for the acronym for the first initial of all of their names. You can learn everything you want to know about Shell. You can talk to them personally, but they might. we don't need a bunch of phone calls to their house in the middle of the night. So maybe you should just go to shellmusic.com, S-H-E-L, music.com. So, and of course, as always, for Independence Day, drop by indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y. Also, facebook.com slash indepday, and our handle at Twitter is at indepday. I'd love it if you drop by. Send me a tweet. Tell me what's going on in the world. But for tonight, I have Shell. <laughs> Welcome back, great music ladies. That was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to hearing some more. And tell me a little bit about that song. There was some kind of CMT connection with this. What is this all about? So we make our own music videos, and actually the plan for the whole album is to make one for every song. So it's been it's been kind of an exciting year. We just shot another one. That's ambitious. I know. <laughs> uh, I, it's going to happen, and it's going to be. I think it's going to be a fun little adventure. But we just shot another music video when we were in Nashville, so that will be coming out in a few months. And then, um, but this this particular song we shot with some friends, and then I shot part of it, and then um, we, even I directed it and I edited it, and we um, we sent it out to CMT, and they actually just put it into rotation on their alternative station. Very nice. Yeah, we're yeah. I were like really honored. <laughs> like and MTV yeah. Buzzworthy's blog picked it up as well. They were their buzzworthy obsession is yeah. what they called obsession. it. Obsession. There's buzzwords, man. Hype. Hype, hype, yeah. hype, hype, hype is hype. such a big part of this industry, and I, I try to avoid it so much, but it's like you can't you can't get away from it entirely. Like mm-hmm. cause you have to have a little bit because you have to get people's attention. That if there's one downside to having the internet be like the thing that rules everything now, is that it's provided an opportunity for everyone to make music, which means you have to like stand on an even higher mountain to get people's attention. Yeah, true. You know, but I think what's good, you know, always seems to rise to the top. You know, yeah. through word of mouth and mm-hmm. you know people that you trust, their music taste, they tell you about something, you go listen to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the cool yeah. thing. Instant gratification, <laughs> um, and. So now, in terms of monetizing this, you know, what is, are you, you're selling music, obviously. Are you, since you're independent, are you in independent record stores with this? You're, surely you're on iTunes. Like, how are, how are you getting your music to the people? We mostly, are. Mostly iTunes and, like, and a few independent um, stores for sure. But iTunes and then the, the physical copy is um, available on our website. But iTunes is a place to go. Yeah. For sure. And uh, this is Liza. It is actually available in some very specific record stores throughout the country. Yeah, like so. the cool ones? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Amoeba, yeah. Waterloo, that kind of thing. Grimey's. Oh, no. I think it is an Amoeba. Mm, it's Grimey's an Amoeba. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I'll tell people, I chide them all the time, like buy music from independent stores. I mean, the big chains, they're going away. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Or even better, if you see a band you love, I implore you, if you're at their show, buy the CD at the show. Because mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. no overhead. Like they're cutting out the middle 
middleman. No, no one else is getting a piece of it. If you want to support a band you love, buy their music from them. They'll probably be nice enough to sign it for you if you buy it from them. <laughs> Definitely. You know, it's, it's the face-to-face thing, and then you can see it on, you can see the spine on the shelf, and it's still romantic, and everybody wins, and you're going to have vinyl. Yeah, yeah, we are going to have vinyl. We're really excited. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Is it is it 180G vinyl, or is it just vinyl vinyl? Not that they say just. I think it's 180G. I think so, yeah. It's the, it's the good stuff. Quality. Yeah, that's that's really sexy. <laughs> 180G, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> it totally is. It totally is. I mean, I've got, I've got records, of course, both. But like the, I've noticed that the, I don't know if it's a quality control issue, but most of my regular vinyl, like they all have little humps. Hmm. And the 180G, simply because it's thicker, I think, is, is tends to warp less. So cool. it's, it's oh, just sexy all the way around. It feels heavy and hefty and nice in your hand. It's just a nice That's thing. great. Um, <laughs> and it doesn't bef- warp. It, it doesn't warp. Exactly. <laughs> so before we went to the song, we were talking about like all the different things you do to make this a full-time job. Like what? There's four full-time members of this band, and what is the division of labor? So you've, you're looking at 40 hours a p. You know, so you're looking at 160 hours a week if you did it all for 40 hours a week. Like who's doing what and when and why? This is Liza. Um, it, it divides up really well, actually. Um, I do a lot of the graphic design. Eva ends up doing a lot of the production in the studio with the engineering and all that. Sarah works also with graphic design. She helps me out because she has you know, really good eyes for it. And, uh, and then she does our videos as well. And then Hannah does a lot of our social networking um, and uh, does a lot of the work with the harmonies, actually, on the music side. With what, I'm sorry? The harmonies. Harmonies, okay. Um, so it, I think it all actually evens out really, really well. And then of course we all like, that's just kind of the business aspect. And then on kind of more the music side, um, when we arrange everything, you know, everybody has their very specific parts in that as well. So really it just, it evens out very nicely. Yeah. Everybody has their gift that they, you know, contribute. And Eva does most of the songwriting. We do collaborate as well, but she'll bring a song to us and we all kind of, form it together she'll have the lyrics and the chords and and the melody obviously and then we kind of build it from there and that's a lot of fun but that's a very time consuming part of it too and then keeping maintaining what what's already been created as well yeah and that's um everybody you know has to do their individual practice every day as well keep your chops up and keep um moving forward so that we can keep innovating you know like keep or at least keep it fresh yeah it sounds like a buzzword or a buzz phrase but it's totally true yeah. You know, like I get, we'll reference Tom Waits again. Like he says, he loves to play different instruments because <laughs> if you play, and I, I totally espouse this, if he plays the same instrument, if I play the same instrument all the time, my my hands are like old dogs. They'll just mm-hmm. keep going back to the same place okay. and doing the same thing over and over again, which is why I love to play. If there's any instrument, I mean, I, I can't play things you blow into except for a harmonica. <laughs> like I can't play saxophone or wood brass, woodwinds, any of that stuff because it's, it's the whole amateur thing is mystical to me. But anything else that you can like shake, strum, bang on, like I'll, I'm not afraid to just like I don't mean abuse it, like destroy it, but like just pick it up and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's great. It's it's the way I don't know. It's 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 inspiring to me. And dude, you play a lot of different instruments. That's so impressive. I get bored. Yeah. You know, and I and I, I must say, like, it's de- de- decreasing levels of proficiency. Like as, as I go down that list, like I was a guitar principal in school, and I sang in choirs my whole life, and wow. I I wouldn't say I'm classically trained, but I'm not not classically trained if that makes any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Rachmaninoff is my favorite composer mm-hmm. yes. uh, when it comes to classical music because yes. and because I'm a bass, I'm a second bass, and he writes the best parts for basses. Like that Russian music for basses is just guttural and dark and and haunting and beautiful and scary and it's amazing wow. and you know for now let's what are your you guys are classically trained so your woodshedding 
like every day you said on your but like who's <laughs> each one tell me like what your what what instrument you're woodshedding on like just go down the line here real quick like if you're spending time practicing what would it be oh goodness what do you mean by woodshedding like a- woodshedding is the word we use i went to berkeley college of music for a phrase and we would say what are you doing tonight well i'm shedding woodshedding is a phrase you use means you're practicing you're going into the woodshed metaphorically speaking sealed off from everyone and you're practicing so you're woodshedding so what that's really funny what gotcha. instrument do you woodshed okay i guess uh piano for me still and yeah yeah i play a little bit of concertina and i've dabbled on the guitar but piano i keep coming back to um because every other instrument i just keep thinking about how i could be advancing on the piano yeah so um i like i love playing mozart and i love rachmaninoff but i I don't really aspire to be mastering his pieces at this yeah. point, but um, I love jazz too. Who are your um, jazz artists you like? Okay, I love Vince Guaraldi. Oh, Red he's Garland. my favorite. He's so good. <laughs> Everyone like thinks he's just Charlie Brown, but like oh. he's totally oh. legit. So yeah, yeah, he was amazing. a totally legit player, and I love the way he plays. I love the timbre of the, hmm. the way he plays. I just, I love Guaraldi. It's surprising to me that you say that. So kudos to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> He's great. Red Garland, too. He played okay. with Miles Davis. Uh-huh. and um, Yeah, I love those guys. So hours a day, do you practicing? It varies. On the road, it's really hard to get much in. When I'm at home, anywhere from two to six hours a day, I'd say. Wow. When I can't. But songwriting is a huge... Songwriting is like... It's kind of a hobby for me right now, but it's, mm-hmm. it's more than a hobby at the same time. It's what I do whenever we're not doing shell stuff. And it, yeah. sometimes it fits in the shell category, sometimes mm-hmm. not so much, but that's really where I've been spending a lot of my time. So that yeah. fits in there in the six hours somewhere. Wow. And songwriting is like a muscle too. We'll talk a little bit about more of that when we get to But let's talk to you next, Eva, because you, as, as you're the kind of primary songwriter, de facto songwriter. Yeah. So, But when you're woodshedding, you woodshed on what instrument? <laughs> I woodshed on either mandolin or cello. I've been studying cello for the last couple of years, and that's just one of those instruments that if you're not dedicated, it's never going to sound great. So I've been studying a lot of Bach both on cello and mandolin because it's just absolutely beautiful to my soul. I like to play it and to listen to it. I love it. But um, if I, I try to woodshed more on the mandolin than the cello, but it's so it's hard because the cello is so like new and exciting right now that whenever I have a breakthrough, I just want to like, spend all my time there. But, um, you know, songwriting is one of those things that you just have to keep up with. And yeah. it's that's that's harder because... I did a lot more woodshedding before I learned to sing, actually. And so I've, now now that I sing, I do a lot on that as well, just getting up every day and vocalizing, trying to improve my range and um, and sing louder. That's always the always the challenge. But so, you know, if I may, you don't really actually need to sing super loud. Like, you ever heard um, Paul Simon sing? Not He's live. He's so quiet. Really? He's so quiet. I mean, I imagine he gives his front of house guy fits. Because he's so quiet and the band, he's got a full band behind him, but he sings very, very quietly. And that's one thing, I mean, I had to work on that. Like, I, when I go, I, I tend to sing kind of quiet, but I play guitar very loud. Like, mm-hmm. Even if it's on like acoustic guitar, I tend to be kind of aggressive on the guitar, but it doesn't match my voice. Like, I feel like I sound, I like the way I sound better when I'm singing quietly, but mm-hmm. I wind up singing loud because I got to keep up with myself, you know, otherwise it'll just be guitar. Mm-hmm. I just want more colors, you know, to use for any for any style that we decide that we want to kind of explore a little more. I'd love to be able to, you know, sing that style. So yeah. that's where l- lately that's where most of my woodshedding has been is studying the singing. And um, I try to get back to my mandolin and improve my chops there. But 
It's uh, there's so many great mandolinists out there. It's kind yeah. of a hopeless thing. Yeah, in a world that Chris Dealey exists in. Oh my I gosh. Mean, <laughs> what what are we, what, what are we to do? Why do I try? What are we to do? I'm I, yeah. I love mandolin, but I'm kind of a hack. I mean, you know, it, it it's it's color for me. Yeah. You know, it's something it really else is. to do. Like that old dog thing. It just gets me out of doing the same thing. Mm. You know. So Liza and you, like, do you do you, do you like shed four hours on the djembe every day? <laughs> what do you do? Uh, not really. I mean. I practice a lot more on the kit than I do on the djembe. The djembe has come a lot more naturally to me than the kit because it's, it's two limbs as opposed to four. Mm-hmm. So with the kit, I've had to put a lot more effort uh, into my left foot, oddly enough, because it, it, it doesn't want to work with me at all. It's, mm-hmm. it's horribly uncoordinated. You right-handed? I am. Okay. So the right the right part is, is totally fine. It's, it's the left part that gives me fits and gives me trouble. Um, so I would say I definitely would shed on drums. And uh, yeah. I recently started singing as well, so... Now I have to put well, more time into Welcome that. to the club. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. it's, it's a good like club. Don Henley and Phil Collins, you can sing and play drums at the same time. It's so she can? It's, it's difficult. It is difficult, I'm not yeah. going to lie. But before all that happened, I, I did woodshed on the harp. And I learned how to play a scale on the bass recently, which mm-hmm. made me very happy because I've always wanted to learn how to play the bass. So you know, I'm going to keep trying that out. I am of the opinion that of the hardest instrument to sing and play simultaneously is bass. Really? Of all the ones I've ever mm, played. I disagree. Oh, yeah? no way, because you, I, it's interesting because you have like a rhythm that's probably not what you're singing at all. True. Like not even anywhere close, and you've got all this movement that you have to deal with, and it's in such a low register, it doesn't crazy. really give you much of a vocal reference either sometimes. It's a precision thing. Yeah. You have to be very precise. Like, guitar is very forgiving. You can just kind of play your chords, you know, a little line here or there, but like bass, it's like you have to be locked in with the drummer. And you have to be pushing it forward because if mm-hmm. you're pushing or pulling, and I can see that you're going to disagree with me. Oh, but, I'm going to, I have a whole argument. But like you can, like <laughs> you're pushing and pulling. And if you screw it up and you're not locked in with the drummer, like everyone else is going to be, yeah. like you're not going to have a solid foundation upon which to build the rest of the band. So now you, please tell me. So Sarah, I, I am make a your fiddle counter player. Argument. And I don't know if you've ever tried to play the fiddle and sing, but you lose all sorts of control with that because you know you're like you're down like this and you're playing and all you know your head's cocked and you're a part of the the fiddle and all of a sudden you have to take that off so that you're not all kinked up yeah and so doing that and then like trying to keep your everything that's going on here you lose all the precision whereas the bass because i do play bass too you like it's all down here and it's and i hear what you're saying but fiddle's harder, so that's all. <laughs> I, have a, I, have a, I have a counter-counter argument. Okay, oh. let's hear it. Are you it. ready for this? Yeah. The thing is, how often do you find yourself singing and playing? Now, in your band, of course, you can write your parts to do whatever you want. But uh-huh. in most bands that I see, you're not singing and playing violin simultaneously. But I she do. Does. Yeah. You know, so you yeah. do. So you're, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up for problems, though. <laughs> I'm working past it. You should write your own part so that you're not singing and no, playing at the same time. BB King never plays and sings at the same time. You need the fiddle and the voices. Yeah. Well, this T, you've got three sisters. Make one of them play violin while you're doing that. But they, a piano, how that Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, I need frets anyway. I have a hard time. I hacked at fretless instruments. It's so funny. Growing up, like playing the fiddle was my original, like, it's still the one that I play the most. Yeah. But, um, like learning the bass, I started on a fretless bass because it was frets were hard because I'd make it buzz all the time, you know. And so then, so I started playing bass, and I play enough guitar to like I sat down one day and learned Blackbird, you know, the Beatles song, and that's as far as I went on the guitar. <laughs> if you're going to start somewhere, that's a pretty good place to start. I think. <laughs> Take it. And with that, let's play another song. Beautiful. Okay, you've got again, like I said, we've got instruments here. I've got the band Shell in the studio tonight. My name is Joe Armstrong. They are called Shell. They are Hannah, Sarah. Eva, Eva, and Liza, <laughs> and they're going to play a song for us. I think this is Lost at Sea. Why don't you tell me just a little bit about this? Did you write this? Do you guys, who wrote this? I did. It was um, 
I was listening to actually a lot of Moya Brennan at the time, and we love Celtic music. So it was just sitting around and thinking about a very romantic love story and a way to express it musically. It was a little more Celtic. Okay, so here it comes. This is the band Shell with the song Lost at Sea on Independence Day. See you. 
This is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. We come to you from Pasadena, California, every week. And you can hear us on the internet constantly, anytime, 24-7 at indepthday.com. We've got podcasts of just about every single show. And if there are any missing, let me know. We'll get them up there sometime soon. As I said, we've got the band Shell. They are here with us live in the studio. The song Ruby... Wait, no, I'm sorry. That was Lost at Sea. Ruby Slippers is going to be next, I think. Mm -hmm. And so now, tell me, riddle me this. Um, (laughs) When you... Riddle me this, Batman. When you go to write a song, like you bring in, you said, um, Eva, you're the primary kind of writer. You bring in an idea. How much uh, autonomy do the other three of you have within the framework of her song? Because I think like having all my siblings in the band would change that because it's like, you know, I bring in a song to my band and it's like sometimes I have a really fully formed idea that I really, and luckily they, they trust me for the most part, I'll say. I, I have a really strong idea of what this song should be. And other times I say, I have no idea what you should play. Let's just see what you, what happens. And then we kind of guide it all together. How does it work in this band? It's been uh, years of growing, you know, to make it work. And um, But the bottom line for me is... Like when I start with something, I'll come in and be like, I'll have something specific I hear in my head, which is actually frustrating. Those are usually the most frustrating um, collaborative sessions. But what I what I have learned anyway is that um, whenever I do have something very specific, I'll do my best to communicate it without frustrating everybody. And then whatever um, every single member contributes is far better than anything I imagined. Like when I started out, and that's the thing that's blown me away every time we start collaborating is I like that's what I think makes it work so well is that we all just have, you know, our in our gift and our contribution. And so over the years, as someone who kind of starts the process, I've come to really, really respect um, everybody as an artist and the contribution that they bring. And I, you know, it's is so much more fun than playing by myself that, you know, I have to respect it or nobody would want to play with me because <laughs> be horrible. Do the rest of you agree with that? Is she is she as uh, equanimous uh, as she says she is? I think so. I, and I would add, too, that it's a very humbling experience because being on the other side of it, she could bring something and say, hey, this is what I want you to play. And I'll have prideful days where I'm like, Psh, you can't tell me. I am going to come up with the part for this. And then we'll work on it, and my part doesn't quite work. And then I have to swallow it and be like, okay, maybe I'm not right. And and then somehow we come to this conclusion where we, it's actually both of our ideas like mixed together. And it's like, oh, that's way better than what I was thinking. It might even be better than what she was hearing. And it's, you know, probably the most frustrating days are when I don't get past my pride, and I'm like, no. But, but that's the same for all of us because we have that input for every part. Like we all, even in those scenarios, you know, we vote like three of it's. And, and, and that's the cool thing is usually it's rarely two on two. And when it is, we ask mom and dad to come in there or something. But we <laughs> all vote on the parts, you know, and we talk about what we like and what we don't like. So. And how musical is mom in all this? You said she's an she's an artist of, of some stripe. But like what what's her what's her art? She's actually um, a visual artist. So went to college and got her bachelor's in art. Um, she's done a lot of printmaking and and different things. And fibers. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fibers. Yeah. She's really into so, quilts right now. She's yeah. made us all a quilt for our birthday this oh year. Oh my gosh! I am so excited for when I get home because she made us all quilts for our birthdays. Um, and mine is done early because my birthday's not for like another couple weeks. But she just got it finished and it's all quilted. So when I get home, I get to see it and touch it, and I am so excited. 
but yeah she's very <laughs> visual and so I think that's I think we really got the best of both worlds with that because mm-hmm. dad being musical and mom being visual has really made it just really a dream for everything that we want to do with our life and with our career because we get both sides yeah and how this is totally left from the left field question based on with the quilting thing but how is it possible that we have four sisters in a band and there's no guitar like it's like the most common, portable, accessible instrument, and like, how has it happened that this guy, like, was it intentionally overlooked, or was it just I something think, that just didn't happen? I think that because Dad played guitar in the band for a while, ah, so I think sense. that probably because um, Hannah's dabbled in a little bit, Eva can play it a little bit, I played a little bit, but it's not. I mean, it's not a part of the band. It's not. It was that we didn't use any guitars on the al- on the album, um, but no, I think I that. Yeah, we didn't use a single guitar. But previously, we have, mm-hmm. but he's just switched because we really needed a bass player. He switched from guitar to bass, and that was something we didn't mention about him earlier, that he's really put a lot of time into the bass. That's a lot of what he does these days, but I think out of respect for, well, really, and uh, he's way better at guitar than any of us. Yeah, he's, so for just sure. he's an amazing yeah. finger stylist. Like, he blows yeah. my mind. But, yeah, I think that since the guitar was there, none of us really picked it up seriously. Yeah. So, in other so. words, if you need a decent guitar part, you know a guitar player is what oh, you're yeah. saying. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's close by. He'll show up and he'll work cheap. We know <laughs> a guy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So who? how do you determine now going forward what shows he plays on and what shows he doesn't play on? Like, I feel like I, I say this tongue in cheek, but, like, he's kind of been voted off the island in a, in a way. <laughs> but, like. Sadly. <laughs> you know, I, I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm just I didn't want to use the phrase. It's like I don't mean that in, like, a, a mean kind of way. But, like, he's, he's, he's doing, you're doing your own thing. He's doing his thing. But, like, how do you decide when it's pr- appropriate for him to play? It depends on the scenario, you know, if we're doing a big band show with drums, it's great to have a bass in there. And if, you know, like if he's available too, because, you know, he's got, he's got a busy life as well. And, um, and it's a, you know, it's a lot to ask of your dad in one regard that he's worked his whole life, you know, to provide for us. And, um, you know, so I'm like, I feel like now's the point where, you, you know, it's, he could retire and do things that he really loved, like working on the farm and, and, you know, having some time to really build model trains and things like that and so i feel bad sometimes asking that of him but yeah. i know he enjoys it too so i don't feel too horrible yeah, yeah. and when you, you keep saying farm like what kind of farm is this is this like <laughs> corn and chickens or is this like what is this it's just, it is a it's just chickens mostly we have a goat and we have a few dogs and it's like a small small scale um poultry farm actually yeah okay. so we do grass-fed poultry and and eggs and eggs yeah very nice. scaled down over the last couple of years when we were touring constantly, but yeah. it's our it's sort of our dream to ultimately have, um, you know, a, a very large sustainable farm, a mm-hmm. polyculture farm with lots of different yeah, animals yeah, yeah. and crops. And have you have tools. you read your Michael Pollan? Yes. <laughs> oh, she's so <laughs> I'm into a big it. Joel Salatin fan. Actually. Oh, I love Joel Salatin. Oh my. He's such a libertarian kook though. Sometimes, but I love him. <laughs> part of what I love, about love him. him so much. He's yeah. awesome. He's so innovative. Yeah. You know, and it's just. Um, and he's obviously he loves Wendell Berry, and uh, so a lot of his references come from there. And his just his whole perspective on life and whatever it is that you're doing, you know, being an inno- being innovative in that field. This is great. His message is great. His work is great. My favorite thing about Solitin is how how like vexed he is that he can't get certified as organic because of the way the laws are set up. Oh yeah. You know, it's like mm-hmm. he. I remember reading his book, and at one point he said, or not his book, but a book about you know one of the pollen things how. He couldn't get organically certified because he didn't have a separate bathroom for the USDA oh, yeah. agricultural inspector guy. And what does that have to and, do? And with you know what safety? is what is you know the the inspector having a place to 
go relieve him or herself by you know in pri- in privacy have to do with anything else? I think it's Absolutely. just so That's interesting. It, it exposes cracks. It exposes. Make sure you talk on the mic. Is what I'm saying when oh, you're. Sorry. <laughs> um, it kind of exposes uh, cracks in our system. Absolutely. You know? That was a. He wrote an interesting book that I was reading called "Everything I Want to Do Is Illegal," and that's what he was talking about. You know that this ridiculous bureaucracy is actually stopping small businesses from forming because all dreams are birthed small. But with the regulations being what they are today, you have to have all this money to get started yeah. to build that private bathroom for somebody. And the examples he gave, they were all like firsthand stories of himself or his friends. And it made me very angry, but it made me, you know, want to be an advocate for, you know, farmers who didn't know their way around. And he talked about that, you know, that they became smart and able, you know, so that they could yeah. survive those scenarios and combat it. But there are so many farms that aren't and they're being shut down. And it's what we need so bad. You know what we right need? Now. And you, sh- I'm, I'm going to try to convince you to, to, Pigeon to start this. Like we need a we need a uh, sustainable farm aid. Absolutely. Do you, do you remember farm yeah, aid? Yes. Like John yeah. Mellencamp back mm-hmm. in the Reagan administration. Like the farmers were getting a raw deal. Like they still do. But yeah. you know he's he and Willie and those guys started farm aid to kind of support the farms. But now I think we need we need to do farm aid again. Yeah. But I think we need to do it like small scale. Absolutely. You know cottage industry because that's where that's where cool stuff is happening and musically and everywhere else in our society. Like I think people are tired of multinational oh, corporations sure. running yeah. our lives. Yeah. You know, anyway, enough of that so far. <laughs> I told you stuff would come up that was all over the place. I yeah, warned you. Right. I warned you, ladies. Uh, so how about another, how about some more music? We've got a couple more songs I think we could get to before we run out of time. This is the song Ruby Slippers, but this is not on the new record. Tell me a little bit about this. This is one that we wrote on the way to New York City. The first time we ever went, we drove. It was a very long drive, and it started with a poem. Um, and then we a got a poem to... that you wrote or a poem? Oh, yeah, a poem I wrote in the car just about the moon being sad and and that she was a very jealous thing. And um, so we, we took that, and we were in the motel room that night, and we just started crafting it. And then in the car the whole next day we wrote. And then when uh, we finally we stopped in New Jersey, and Han and I went to an ice cream shop late that night until after it closed and sat out and, uh, and finished it. Very nice. All right, so this is the song Ruby Slippers, the band Shell on Independence Day. As he sets in the west Ooh, 
Once again, welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. You can find out about us, indepthday.com. The band we have on tonight is Shell, www.shellmusic.com, 1L, S-H-E-L. We've got four of them here in the studio comprising essentially all of this band. They're out on the road. They've got a bunch of dates, actually, here. When they were here in Los Angeles, just very recently, they played the Hotel Cafe. They started this run of dates at the basement in Nashville, Tennessee. From here, they go to beautiful Fresno. Uh, San Francisco, Fort Collins, Salida, Colorado, Windsor, Colorado, Austin, Texas, Moab, Utah, Loveland, Colorado. How, how do you pronounce this? Panoya? Oh, Peonia. Peonia. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. never heard. I've been it's around the world. Beautiful. I've been to 49 states. I've never heard of. Say it again. Oh, Peonia. Peonia. It's over by Grand Junction in Colorado. Okay. Well, it's very gorgeous. nice. Your hometown, practically. Your home state, at least. Your home state, <laughs> yep. Anyway, Fort Collins is where you're from. New Belgium Brewing. That's yes. right. Fort Collins, Colorado. And I like Otterbox. Odell. Otterbox yeah. cases. Odell. Otterbox. I like the, the Ranger IPA is my favorite of their products, in case mm-hmm. anybody was keeping score at home, which they may or may not be. Anyway, we're getting way off topic here. We were talking before, just before uh, you played that song about farming and sustainable farming and Joel Salatin and Michael Pollan <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. Like, I, I got a text from my sister just today. She's growing pumpkins. And I've grown pumpkins at least twice. I grew them in college and I grew them in Chicago. So, but you're mostly chickens. You must have other stuff, though, on the farm. Not right now. It's so dry in Colorado, and it costs a fortune to irrigate. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've wanted to do a couple cows, but with traveling so much, we can't really afford to do it right now anyway. But we have a so, goat. Yeah, we do have a little goat. goat. precious. She's she's a great thing. Yeah. What's the she's goat's name? Pet, Puzzle. Puzzle. Yeah. But over the years, we've had quail. We've had pheasants. Ducks. Uh, ducks. Du- yeah, Hannah used to raise ducks. ducks. We used to have dairy. Um, we used to have milk. You know, I totally, the way you're talking about this, I totally want to go to your farm. <laughs> I just want to, like, hang out and, and with the goat. 
Oh, she's yeah. a sweetheart. I'll show you pictures on my phone later. I miss, uh, like, I miss that. I grew up in an agricultural area outside of Chicago. I can't call mm-hmm. myself like a farmer, even though I've grown pumpkins and gourds and made shakeray instruments out of them and all those sorts of things. But, like, I mean, I grew up literally, I would wake up on summer mornings with a combine going behind my backyard. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get that in Los Angeles. You know, it's like this eternal mm-hmm. suburb. I'm not saying it's good or bad. It just is what it is. But I miss that. I don't, yeah. you know, but things here, though, I got to say, that grow year round here. Our greenest mm-hmm. season here is the wintertime, which is kind of a oh. stress switch. Oh. But uh, I, 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 I love it in Los Angeles. It's beautiful here. Fantastic. Um, what, being from Colorado, I want to get to another song here real quick, like, but before we talk about that, what does being from Fort Collins or being from Colorado, how do you think that has an effect on both you people as people and then your music like does it have an effect i think that we're surrounded by i mean there's a lot of good music all over the country obviously but there it's just such a different a different set of musicians i feel like and there's it's a lot folkier so in that sense like the music that we're coming up with out in colorado is something that i think would be completely different if we were living say in like nashville or new mm-hmm. york so i think that it definitely has an effect on the music it's like bluegrass and folky flavor for sure there's definitely. a lot of bluegrass musicians mm-hmm. out there it's crazy and we yeah, love yeah. we love the outdoors so it's the perfect place for all of us you know liza mm-hmm. rock climbs hana runs all the time ultimate um, frisbee ultimate Ooh, hiking, hiking biking yeah. i do love the old that's what's that's the thing like i i tried to do all those things in chicago but it would when the winter came like it mm-hmm. shut me down half the year, which oh, is what yeah. I love about here. Like I hiked year, I hike year around here. That's great. You know, and if I want to see snow, I hike in the snow. Cool. <laughs> I just go up a mountain and hike in the snow. I, I say this all the time. Everybody who anybody who listens to the show, I rant about this constantly. But like, I don't mind going to see snow. I just don't want the snow to come see me. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you I'm go. Had it. I like I'm done, it. Done with ice scrapers. I'm done with all that kind of stuff. Yeah. In any case, but how about an, about another song? We've got about time for one more song before you guys have to roll on out of here. This song is called "Stained," I believe. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about this one, maybe. This is the first song Liza and I ever wrote together, actually, and we um, we just sat down and uh, wanted something really mountainy sounding, like raw and edgy. So we just threw it down. Yeah, something a little bit darker, a little bit edgier. Um, yeah, I think this one was actually inspired by a movie originally couldn't tell you the name of the movie but yeah it was it was more of a grungy one that had it it's had about do, coal mining yeah, actually in the 80s and, and uh, women's rights yeah it's a great movie it's do you hard. as as writers and performers i mean we talk you know you're obviously you're you're behind the whole sustainable farming thing do you mix messages into your music when you like for subject matter for fodder when you're writing lyrics i mean you know bono's got the market cornered it seems like on activism <laughs> but there's a lot of activism that's mixed into music and a lot in folky style music too so, I mean, do you embrace that or do you shy away from it? Or like, what's your relationship you know, to that? We're mostly primarily, we're concerned with inspiring people to follow their dreams, you know, the way that we were. So we try to keep things just very open and, um, you know, n- not even, and kind of vague in a sense, but um, so that people can kind of bring their own interpretation to it. If somebody says, you know, I love this song, what is it about? Sometimes I'm hesitant to tell them why you know, like what we think it's about because, you know, they've brought their own, they have their own experiences and it probably means something different to them and I don't want to ruin that. So yeah. mostly we're just concerned with creating great art that will inspire other people to do the same. Yeah, and that sounds like a great place to play a song. So this is the song Stained on Independence Day, the band show.
was the song Stained, the band Shell. They're from Fort Collins. We've got them here in Los Angeles tonight. We're almost done, but we were talking before about videos. You said your goal was to make a video for every single song on this record, and that's a very ambitious project. How far along are you on this project? So we have uh, Freckles done. That's the one that's on CMT. And mm-hmm. we have a live video for Led Zeppelin, which we didn't actually do ourselves, but it's done anyway. And then... Um, well, the song is not Led Zeppelin. The song is by Led Zeppelin. By, Le- by Led Zeppelin. You're right. The Battle of Evermore. That's mm-hmm. right. And then um, we have the latest and greatest Blueberry Rubber Band out. And we, we just finished one for um, Like Minded Fool. And how, like, how, like, I don't want to say lo-fi, but are, what are you shooting on? This is kind of inside baseball, but is this like an iPhone shooting thing? Is this oh. like a DV camera <laughs> thing? Is this, what are you shooting this on? Uh, a DSLR. So we okay. have a Nikon D7000 and okay. um, a slider. You know, we get a little bit, we get a little creative. So. Yeah. And Sarah um, does all the editing. She's usually behind the camera, too. Yeah. yeah. So you can do so much 
with yeah. so little now. I mean, it's the kind of things that people bands can do now, ten years ago, was impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, my iPhone shoots HD video. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's the, the iTunes video. Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. And like the photos, they're almost you know, yeah, they're almost professional. If I could hold this thing still, I could make a <laughs> slamming video. <laughs> a tripod for it. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I could. But then I got I got to walk around. It's it's so so complicated. Uh, Any case. So, but we let's let's promote some stuff. You guys, you're out on tour. You've got shows coming up. You played Hotel Cafe in Los Angeles. We referenced that before. You're going to be up through San Francisco, Fort Collins, Fresno, all around. So people can catch you in their hometown. And if they want to find out what you're doing, we talked about this before. The website uh, shellmusic.com. Also, they're on the Facebook. I think we might have got this wrong before. So this is the definitive one. It's facebook.com/slash I Love Shell. S H E L. And then their Twitter Twitter handle at I Love Shell Music. Anything else you'd like to say to the folks at home before we turn you guys loose in the world? Hey, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Sure. It's al- been oh, Go I ahead. do have one thing. The album is available on iTunes, and it's seven ninety nine right now, or it's available on our website. And uh, we have some free music for on Noise Trade. Very nice. So, live tracks, value price. Actually. Where you're not going to find a better album for for eight bucks. That's what I think. Oh, well, thank, oh thank you. you. Very much. Where, what will you be pricing your vinyl at? I'm so concerned. I'm, I'm, I'm so concerned. That's so that is still yeah, under consideration. We'll see how it goes. TBD. <laughs> Yeah, TBD. TBD. And that's another thing bands are doing these days, like especially with vinyls, they'll make it like a value-added package mm-hmm. where they'll have like, well, mm-hmm. for 40 bucks, you get like an album and it's signed and it comes with like a macrame monkey and it comes with all this <laughs> other random stuff. And people love that, though. Yeah. Like if people love your music, it's like that's kind of ownership that they're not getting on their iPod. Right. Anyway, so that's, these are all the places you can find Shell. I wish you guys the best of luck. Please stay in touch. Thank you, Joe. Thank let you me for know, having uh, us. Let me know where you are in the world. You know, send me new music and please stay in touch and send We'd me some pumpkins to. or something. Leah. <laughs> anyway, Deal. thanks to Sarah, Hannah, Eva, and Liza Holbrook from Shell. Also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley and Wayne Topinski, and to Valentino Rivera from Lancer Radio, and Peter Stencil from KPCC. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another. <laughs>